millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is it. The time has come. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night. It's putting down. The World Boxing Super Series Live from Glasgow. On TalkSport, the home of boxing. Welcome to Fight Night. On TalkSport, I'm Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis alongside me tonight. We are bringing you live and exclusive commentary from the World Boxing Super Series, Glasgow, the destination, Josh Taylor, up against Ivan Baranchik for the IBF Super Lightweight Championship of the World. Also in action, just moments ago, Noya Inoue taking on Manny Rodriguez, uh, unifying the bantamweight division. Um, boy, they told us he was a monster, the three-weight world champion. And he has made a massive statement tonight. Boxing fans know exactly who he is. But if you were tuning in to the television a little earlier on, just having a little bit of a nosy round thinking, all right, there's a bit of boxing on. Who's this guy? He's the best fighter that you didn't know. Now you know. Now you knew it was sensational. Moments ago, Gareth. He was, Adam. Good evening. Um, you know, what he reminds me of is a sleeker version of Manny Pacquiao all those years ago. Uh, he's, a, he's a dangerous hooker. They call him the monster. He looks like a choir boy, frankly. Um, sleek physique. And um, I thought... Emmanuel Rodriguez was um, fairly careless, really, in, 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 and reckless in that fight. I think he should have tried to stay behind his jab and just get into the fight. He was getting caught by those hooks really early on from, uh, um, from Inouye. And we know how dangerous he is up close. Um, but he, he seems to be able to close distance very quickly. He's got freakish levers for a 118-pounds fighter. Mm. He's come up... I think that's what, if anyone listening, you know, generally in boxing... Um, super middleweight, middleweight upwards, we expect knockouts. Yeah, guys who weigh 164 pounds and more, um, guys that weigh 12 stone in the super middleweight division, you expect explosive fights. We expect heavyweights to knock each other out. But when you've got an 118 stone man who's already come up two weight divisions from flyweight, 118 pounds is bantamweight limit. He's just got freakish power. And, mm. and I think a lot of opponents in the past have been beaten before they get in with him. 
But Rodriguez looked really confident in there and was just blown away. Um, he got caught early on in, the, in, you know, I'd give the first round to uh, the Japanese fighter. But in the second round, counter left hook, put the guy down and Puerto Rico's finest got destroyed by two body shots down twice more and the fight is over. Unbelievable stuff in Glasgow. I know you're a massive fan of fighters that can finish, uh, i.e. Anthony Joshua. You refer to him as the best heavyweight finisher in the world. You've got the one-punch knockout merchant in Deontay Wilder and probably the best boxer is Tyson Fury. There's different styles. In Newey, wow, when he sniffed blood tonight, he went after it. Like you said, that phenomenal counter left hook which stung Rodriguez which he never recovered from but then the intelligence from Inoue to go to the body and take him out to the body was sensational yeah and also what, what I what I liked tonight as well Adam was that he took some shots from Rodriguez in the opening round um, and Rodriguez clearly wasn't intimidated at all by the reputation that he brings with his 90% pretty much 90% <laughs> knockout that was his ratio. 16th fight 14th knockout for yeah, a small yeah. man it's unheard of no it, it, that's what I'm saying it's very very unusual usual to have that kind of power I mean the, the greats have had it and I think you know it's a massive showcase for us in the UK that the World Boxing Super Series has come to the UK yeah um, you know obviously the super middleweights with uh, um, Chris Eubank uh, George Groves and the winner of it last year Callum Smith showcased in the UK and Jamie Cox I must mention as well of course because he was in it as well yeah um, um, and, and now obviously we, we've got the bantamweights here he goes on to to face uh, um, Nonito Donaire the the Filipino um, for the Filipino flash the four weight world champion uh, in the final probably sometime in September I imagine but it, 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 for me he'll destroy Nonito Donaire whose best days are past him he's who, an extraordinary who, way, talent for those that don't know too much about this the World Boxing Super Series is a little bit of a revolutionary tournament because it started last year as Gareth said super middleweights and uh, the cruiserweights were involved this is the tournament that made Alexander Usyk a world superstar he became the undisputed champion off the back of it uh, now if you're a boxing fan you might be a little bit frustrated with politics and various things like that that stop certain fights happening the World Boxing Super Series have kind of quashed it a little bit the best of the best of various divisions are now getting together and starting to fight for big dollar it's all on the table for him but the prizes are on the table as well we as fans are getting the best versus the best now the way it works you have a quarter final round you have a semi-final round you have a final round tonight it's a semi-final round so in Glasgow tonight it is the semi-finals we're seeing the semi-finals one of the semi-finals in the bantamweight division which we're talking about at the moment between Inoue and Rodriguez Inoue's won that and he progresses to fight Nanita Denaer and then in a moment or two we're going to bring you live commentary of the super lightweight semi-final now semi-final you think to yourself well there's nothing on the line for a semi-final but there is these are world champions fighting each other so tonight it's a major opportunity in Glasgow, a Scottish fighter is fighting there. He's from Preston Pans. He's not from Glasgow, but he's kind of made it his home since his fantastic win in 2014 where he became Commonwealth gold medalist. Josh Taylor fighting in his 15th fight up against Ivan Baranchik for a world title. So there's a lot on the line, even though it's a semi-final. And if he wins this tonight, Josh Taylor, he'll go on to the final to fight Regis Progress, who's the interim WBC champion. Uh, but therefore, we'll be able to get a unification clash on there. It's sensational. It really has revolutionised boxing over the last two years. That's a lot of information. Well, just for those um, that maybe but... are going away from the <laughs> FA Cup final tonight that aren't yeah. into it and you're just listening to talk sport, I just wanted to give it's you a little bit of a synopsis of what we're talking about. It's a sim no, you put it very well, Adam, but it's as simple as this. When you get the best fighting the best, when they're at their best, that's what you want to see in boxing. Of course. And that's what this tournament's doing, um, you know, to, to put it in a pithy way. But you're absolutely spot on in terms of what's happening. The great thing about... Um, 
And, and Ricky Hatton's been on the line, by the way, texting me. It's not super lightweights, it's light welterweights. Is yeah. that what he refers no, to as? Yeah, yeah, it's, the, it's 140 pounds. I go American, division. I go super light. Or we can call it the 10 stone division, <laughs> if you like. But no, but it, uh, in recent times, it's become the super lightweights. I always called it the light welterweights. Maybe I'm becoming a dinosaur. But the thing is this, um, what, what's great for people like Josh Taylor, and I've covered his entire career, I was there when he won that gold in uh, the Commonwealth Games, and he was brilliant there in Glasgow, Ed. Um, and disappointed when he didn't succeed in, of the, in the London 2012 Olympics as well where we thought he was going to be a nailed down medalist he's always had great talent um, th- this is the kind of tournament how amazing is it that for him this tournament's going to Glasgow where he's having his first world title fight um, against an unbeaten fighter Baranchik's unbeaten in 19 fights mm-hmm. they're both very spiteful aggressive marauding fighters the kind of styles that we were celebrating just now with Noya Inui fighters that that create a following because they are that is the way that that's their template that's their mantra that's the mm. way they fight they go in there to inflict damage on the other person they go in there looking for finishes mm. both Berenchik and uh, Josh Taylor are finishers and I think that's what makes this fight so exciting tonight and the fact that it could be the coronation of Josh Taylor as a new... You know, we had Ricky Burns, three-weight world champion, one of the nicest men you ever meet in boxing. But I think Josh Taylor inhabits a different planet in terms of his skills, in, st- in, in terms of his southpaw stance, in terms of um, the... I mean, honestly, go if, you, if, you, if you're waiting to see the fight tonight and you're on social media, go and look at the stare down this week. Mm. Taylor looked incensed, didn't he? He, looked, he had fire in his eyes. It was like something from a Marvel Comics book. It looked like his eyes were about to turn blue. He's a very special boxer. Um, I know that you've spoken to the McGuigans this week about him as well, and, and they've... I've been around him with them. He's, he's had um, dress rehearsals in America on the undercards with uh, with Carl Frampton when he's been fighting in America. He's he's really been very well schooled up to this point. Managed extremely well, because for a lad that... this Like I said, this is his 15th fight tonight. Mm. Uh, and Only been, his 15th. Exactly. But he's been sped along. I mean, he is for real champions. Victor Postel. Former world champion, he's, he's been in there, he's done the business, and he took him to pieces that night. Sensational uh, victory. I believe that, I know it's only sparring that I'm going to refer to now, but he's been sparring world champions, the likes of Sean Porter, who were in a weight category above him in the welterweight division, and he's been holding his own against those guys. Barry McGuigan's no mug. He's been there, done that, got the T-shirt, and he's managed him, I personally believe, extremely well. And tonight, hopefully, we are going to get a cherry on top of a cake. Well, we saw what some... I know they're in dispute now, and it's, it's a shame when this happens in boxing, but, but Carl Frampton was like a son... To, to, to Barry McGuigan and, and obviously the sons Shane and so on all, all the sons involved in, in McGuigan Cyclones Promotions business were very close with with Carl and I do think that that Taylor was brought along in that masterful shadow for a long time in fact I remember being at a workout in Sean Porter's gym in, in, in Las Vegas uh, near the stratosphere on a day when 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 Carl was fighting uh, Leo Santa Cruz over there in Vegas and 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 uh, Taylor was there training he's got a great backstory as well i mean i mean th- there's some great stuff come out this week about when he was a little kid growing up in Preston Pans i'd never been to Preston Pans but the name sounds ominous for mm, a start you know mm. um and and he and he, apparently he was a little kid you know he's a tall man now he's a tall 
140-pound fighter. Um, you know, 5'11", 5'11 half. He's long anyway, isn't he? Mm. When you meet him, he's long and rangy. Long neck, long torso, great arms on him, um, powerful legs. And he um, he was a little kid, but he used to get beaten up a lot and knocked down a lot, but he'd always get back up, he's been explaining, and get involved in fights all the time. And he, had, he said he had wee man disease for a long time. <laughs> and he says the great thing about himself is that he's still got it in him, even though he's not a little man anymore. Um and you know i th- i think he's so tough that he, he, you know this story adam that he once got clubbed mm. by his cousin with it with a yeah. with a golf um, club. with a golf club hit by a golf club um by his cousin fra- fractured his jaw in 13 places Correct, i think yeah. it was he still sports the scar on his left hand side because yeah. yeah, one asks him about it when one sees him of course so that f- journalists always do the first time say oh I hit by a golf club that's the night the night or the day or the morning rather that he learned that he had a decent chin because <laughs> he didn't go down he didn't go down he Shattered his jaw and didn't go down. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen, how important is the Glaswegian crowd going to be for him tonight? Because he's not fighting a mug. The IBF champion Ivan Baranchik is legit. The job that he did on Kirill Relic in the in the quarterfinals of this World Boxing Super Series to become the IBF champion was brutal. He is a brutal fighter, front foot fighter. As you mentioned a moment or two ago, both of these guys are what I would refer to as crowd pleasers. It's, it's impossible not to like these lads because they do come for a scrap. They're not one of these kids that bucks on the back foot and give you the sweet science don't get me wrong we love that we love seeing a schooling every now and again uh, but they are very 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 aggressive very front foot fighters and they do bring the fight the crowd are going to love this this evening but how important is it that the crowd obviously cheering the Scott along just give him that extra couple of percent to pull him through because there's going to be some dark times in that fight tonight I think no I think you're right um look a home crowd for, for Josh is brilliant. Um, we know how successful. He's already won. Remember, he won the, the Commonwealth Gold in this very venue. Mm. Um, it's an amazing venue, the Hydro. I think it's the circular one that we're talking Beautiful, about. Mate. It looks like a spaceship from the outside. Yeah, I mean, obviously it was built for as well for, for, for acoustics. It's a brilliant venue for music. Have and you played? Have you played there? Not not yet. <laughs> we'll be we'll, coming soon at an SSE Hydro near you. Um, yeah, Crash Bang Wallop, yeah. And I think what the music... We're going to hear tonight is chin music basically mm. uh, to put it that way and um because i i do think that he's got happy memories there um with any luck you know this what they call him the tartan tornado i hope he comes out to bagpipes tonight mm. god i want to fight when i hear bagpipes don't you i do mean you? it's a, pff, play the bagpipes please <laughs> no um, we'll, we'll we'll spill some time in here no it, he'll come out tonight he'll be very emotional um very powerful i think he got i think he you know, I, I don't know what your take on it is, Adam. I think he was showing just how much it means to him with Baranchik yesterday. Baranchik was very cool, calm and collected, yeah. smiling at the way and where Josh put his head on him a little bit and they had to be, uh, you know, uh, pulled apart. So I just think he was trying to show him how much this means. Yeah. I think... Plus, the, the fact that you don't come to my backyard and challenge me and exactly, do me in my own town. Exactly. The thing is about Josh, he's got a kind of fairly benevolent look most of the time uh-huh. he's not not he's not a nasty looking man no, he's, he's not good, a nasty talking good looking man. lad nice beautiful boy. looking man and yeah he is and um but there was a genuine spite yesterday and you, the kind of spite that you see when um he does come into the ring and what he delivers I, i'm seeing baranchik yeah, walking out to the uh, the ring in the SSE Hydro. Looks like we're getting ahead of ourselves for once. A fight's going to start early. I love it. That's it. Now, Baranchek is the beast. Josh Taylor is the Tartan Tornado. 
which of those monikers will come out on top. Taylor looking the more composed, tries the jab to the body, good left hand to the body, just cuffs the head of Baranchik with a right hook, who comes back with his own. I think there's a nick on the right eye of Taylor now, that might have been that, that hook that landed, but it's actually, it looks like it could be actually a quite bad cut on the eyebrow of Josh Taylor, not good at all. Baranchik has a bit of success and lands a good uppercut, and Taylor's in a little bit of trouble here, he has to go for a little bit of a walk, the cut, whether that's affected him or whether he just is feeling some of the power of Baranchik. He's got ragged in this fifth round after controlling it. Oh, Brain, out of nowhere! Well, Baranchik led forward, and it was a right hook from Taylor. And out of nowhere, he's turned the fight again. Fantastic from Josh Taylor. He just seems to step back, spotted the shot, and there, Baranchik goes down. He's quick to his feet. The man from Belarus, Howard Foster had a look at him. He looks fine. But has Taylor now got the impetus back again? Ten seconds to try and get him out of there. Can Taylor do it? Works well, he puts it down again. A good big right hand and Baranchek's all over the place. Everybody on their feet in Glasgow. Taylor tries to end big eye-catching shots. Probably doesn't need to, he just wants to. It's a proper warrior in there. As again, he lands a big hook to try and end the show. The big right hand, a big left hook and pushes Verantic as well away again. He's run out of ideas. There's the final bout. What a fight, what a card in Glasgow. And surely, Spencer Oliver, it's going to be Josh Taylor's night. And the new IBF Junior Welterweight Champion of the World, the Tartan Tornado, Josh Taylor. Absolutely sensational. Josh Taylor is the new IBF super lightweight champion. What a performance in front of the Scottish fans as well. I thought he took maybe three minutes first round just to have a little bit of a look. I thought he gave that first round away, but from then on in, he was sensational. Weathered a little bit of a storm around about round five, dropped his man twice in round six, and then near enough had a shutout until the end, Gareth. He got a little bit sloppy at the end. I think he thought, you know what I mean, I've already done this, I'll go for a little bit of a walk. His hands were down in the 11th round. He got tagged a couple of times, but I thought he came back on strong by the end of the well, end of the fight. Well, he said himself, didn't he, in the post-fight interview, Adam, that he felt comfortable in there. And he's the man that walks that final mile to the ring. He's the man in there. And um, he didn't look really hurt at any point. He needed to cover up a couple of times. Um, but he, what's pleasing about... Josh Taylor is that this is a massive learning fight for him. It's only his 15th fight. He was in against a man known as the Beast, a very, very tough, very durable opponent who's known for wearing his opponents down, as they were kind of jokingly mentioning on the commentary, kind of guy whose pint you wouldn't want to spill. <laughs> um, and he's got that look about him, hasn't he? He's got that caveman air about him that he's a quiet, brooding type. And, you know, that, that, that sixth round was, was phenomenal. Um, and and I thought Taylor. Having uh, said that, though, the sixth round, I actually thought he was losing it until he dropped his man. It, you know, he was terrific. He was terrific in that round. Um, but but what had happened was um, Baranchik had come back in the fifth through that clash of heads. Mm. Um, basically, the bottom line was he's got great boxing skills. He wants to deliver. I think. It was a great learning fight for him tonight. I think as he, as he gets more experienced, he may just have to go through his gears and win fights and not get involved in tear-ups the whole time. Mm. Um, there are some very tough fights out there for him. You know, imagine like a Mikey Garcia fight for him, you know, where... Well, his next fight's going to be Regis Progress in the yeah, final yeah, of this. That's yeah. a guy that can fight and he can do the, he can do the business. Yeah. He's going to have agree. to be a lot more switched on and a lot more cuter in the final if he's going to 
obviously hold on to his IBF crown. Uh, brilliant. Yes, I completely agree with you. And I think Progress is a great, a great contest for him. For me, if Taylor comes through that, he genuinely is legitimate as as an elite fighter in the division. Is he not already? No, I think he's got a little way to go yet. I think there were question marks about some of his um, tactics in there tonight. I think it could have been more clinical. I mean, you saw young Shane McGuigan, or not so young Shane McGuigan, but um, the young trainer. I think he still is a young trainer, anyway. He's kind of shouting at him to make sure that he's technically right all the way to the end. Mm. He got carried away in there a little bit towards yeah, the end. Yeah, I think you're you know? right. He's, he's the type of guy that wants to please that crowd. He's yes. getting used to fighting in front of the Scottish fans. They obviously bear for blood and he gives it them. You know what I mean? You, you've got to, I kind of take my hat off to that a little bit because he's willing to entertain the crowd. And at the end of the fight, from rounds 10, 11, 12, he could quite easily just got on his bike, had a little bit of a jog round. He's won the fight, absolutely won. He could have given those three rounds away. He's still going to be crowned the champion. He decided not to. He decided to go toe-to-toe and throw a little bit of leather. Now, okay. We can sit here and say, yeah, you're being a bit daft there. But the crowd are loving him. Look at the, the the response that they've given him off the back of that victory. He's still come through it. That'll give him an awful amount of confidence. He will now... The big test for me now is when he's not fighting in Scotland. Let's go abroad. Let's go somewhere else. Well, who knows? It? I mean, there was such a great atmosphere there. 13,000 oh, the SSE Hydro. Look, he was carried, I think, like you say, almost to... Um, to showboat towards the end and want to get involved, involved in a toe-to-toe war, Adam, because he was at home in a venue that he won the Commonwealth gold medal at in 2014. And as he was rightly being interviewed there, to think again. <laughs> he, he, he's so proud. Yeah. Such a proud Scotsman. Um, listen, he, he set the ball rolling with Regis Progrice there um, with a little bit of yapping uh, in the square circle straight away after the contest. Who knows? I mean, I know they've got to go to different venues, but, you know, and this is ideally set up maybe for the World Boxing Super Series to go to America uh, for a change and have a big event there. They're on to zone over there now as well, aren't they, mm. I think? Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it could be... But listen, who's going to complain if it goes to Scotland? Progress himself was saying he loved the atmosphere. He was out of his seat at times. Mm. Um, and then, of course, old Josh is in his face. Um, it, it's brilliant. I mean, look, it, it, what's brilliant is we've got another really good champion from Scotland who's really not even close to the finished article yet. If I was going back and sitting down with him and I was Shane McGuigan, Barry McGuigan, I would have said, let's just be more efficient and technical in those last three rounds. Yes, go to war in the last 30 seconds. But the the 10th and 11th, I'd like to have seen him be a little bit more efficient, technical, and avoid the wildness of Baranchik rather than taking the risks. It's entertaining though, isn't it? It is, it is. <laughs> but, but there's risks in that. and I, and I That's what we love though. We love fighters that take risks. Those fight, with all due respect, the fighters that do just display the sweet science for 12 rounds, yes, of course, we can sit here and talk through it. I love Floyd Mayweather. Of course, of Longevity. course. Longevity. Right. You know, 50 and 0. But, you know? but. Are there crowd pleasers? Are there the guys that are going to make the fans come in their thousands to to follow somebody? I mean, look at Ricky Hatton. He gave the fans exactly what they wanted and he took 10,000 people over to Las Vegas for the big fight. Well, Ricky had very short arms, so he had to fight on the inside anyway, didn't he? I mean, you know, he he had a jab, but he... But, no, he was a body puncher. He was an explosive, exciting fighter. In fact, it's funny you mention, I was thinking about him the other day. You know, I've been in America this week and I was just, you know, I've been with Andy Ruiz. I hope we talk about it later with with the guy that's fighting Anthony Joshua on June the 1st. Um, And I was thinking, um, because people were mentioning 
to me about, you know, Josh Taylor this weekend. How good is he? Mm-hmm. I was around American media, around Dougie Fisher, the, the editor of The Ring magazine, chatting to different people. And I was saying he's definitely as as good a boxer as, as Ricky Hatton was. But Ricky had um, something else about him, an X factor that carried, a bit like Man City winning today, he, he carried that whole crowd with him. The whole football club went yeah, with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think Josh Taylor's got something about no, he him, has, though. he has, but I think I'd like to see that build. Yeah. You know? And all I worry about is a lot, it's such a weird thing. When Ricky fought uh, Floyd Mayweather, I think he was 43-0 and 0 or something at mm. the time, something like that. Um, it might not have been quite as many as that, but... He was undefeated when he fought Mayweather, and it was a really big thing. So, uh, you know, you know, you and I cover mixed martial arts as well. It's not a big thing in mixed martial arts to have a, a loss on your record, yeah. but it is in boxing. And I think that's what they've got to be careful of with, with Josh, because he does. He, he's vicious, he, and he wants to do that thing that you're on about, which is thrill. Mm. And that was a thrilling fight, mm. and he made it a thrilling fight. Um but I just think if he's going to get to the very heights of the sport and carry 10,000 tartan tornadoes with him um, <laughs> to, to Las Vegas, he's got to keep the, the... Listen, I'm being critical. That was a great performance. It was a great learning performance from a guy who showed his inexperience in there tonight mm. as well, Adam. Did you have it as wide as me on the cards? I scored it um, similar to the first Joe Jay at 117-109. I thought it was absolutely outstanding. I thought Branchik took three rounds comfortably. There's an argument that you could probably give him the 12th round as well. He was winning the sixth until he was dropped twice so there's a 10-7 and I comfortably scored it in the favour of Josh Taylor uh, either a 117-109 or a 116-110 that's where I was at with it yeah I think he was five rounds ahead five five maybe six rounds ahead yeah there was a differential but of course the the six was a 10-7 wasn't it yeah you know Um, so that 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 pushes him further ahead but he he wasn't you know, he lost the first round. Uh, Baranchik was aggressive. He the, the only the only rounds that Baranchik won was the clash of heads round for me, and really won. And and then Josh allowed him to win other rounds. Yeah. You know, but by his own, that could have been a shutout if he'd wanted to box. If he'd wanted to stick and move and get on his bike, he could have done that all night, and Baranchik would not have got near him. You know, that would have been what we're seeing uh, in Hertfordshire at the moment. Billy Joe Saunders against Shefat Sufi. Mm. You know, Saunders has lost probably one of seven or eight rounds and he's you know he's cleverly just moving that's not what taylor does he's a toe-to-toe merchant Mm. and uh you know, in in the long run, that will run it. That will win him a lot of fans. Neuer and Nui really is the real deal, isn't it? He is. Um, no, he he staggered me tonight. I I, I mean, uh, Emmanuel Rodriguez is is from Puerto Rico. They're such proud fighters. Undefeated himself, remember? Um, I mean, I watched his highlight reel uh, coming into this. Hadn't seen a lot of him. Well, we saw we saw but, him live, didn't we? In the uh, on the Joshua undercard against Paul Butler, and he yes. was magnificent that night. He jabbed his head off. He used boxing skills that were just beautiful, but with a real brutality to his jab as well. He absolutely busted Paul Butler up that night. And that's a guy that used to be a world champion. You know, he was brilliant on the undercard. He was, and and but the one thing is what we what we didn't see um, from from Inui was a guy who was tested again. He just wasn't tested. Mm. Maybe there's no one good enough at 118 pounds or below to test this man. He is well, he's freakish. Well, there's no question about it. It's it's the Lomachenko conversation again, isn't it? Really, where is it's a the shame test? he's not a little bit bigger than him well, and Lomachenko. Wow. You know? Well, the the test is. 
is well, you've got to give away all the size advantages in order to make the fight even, it seems, with people like Inoue. So Inoue has to maybe go up another one, maybe two weights to fight guys that are just ridiculously big to see if they can level the playing field. Same with Lomachenko. Lomachenko's got to go up these crazy weights. He's not naturally fight where he's at this moment at 135 pounds. If he goes up to 140 pounds, then he's definitely not in that weight. He's, no, more he's, 100, he's a 130 pound fighter. But Bob Arum says it right. The, the veteran octogenarian legendary promoter Bob Arum says it right. He is a featherweight fighting at lightweight. There that you go. is what Lomachenko is, and yet he's still able to hold his own. He's got the power. You know, th- this is why it's called the sweet science. People like Inui, people like Lomachenko, um, you know, and, and to a certain extent, people like Josh Taylor, that they have real power. You look at Josh's arms, he's not over-muscled. Um, you know, look at his physique. He's a real spiteful puncher. When they hit the sweet spot, other... You go over. They go over. Mm. Opponents go over. Mm. Foes get badly damaged by them. Mm. Um, I think Inui tonight was... I mean, that that is a real treat for British boxing fans to see him live on a British card, uh, on, a, on a, a card in Britain, you know, on, what was it, on Sky Sports tonight? I mean, TalkSport it was on, mate. On, on TalkSport, <laughs> yeah, visually on TalkSport, yeah, yeah, but yeah. being screamed about by us as well here, you know. Here's what, you know, while, while, we're, while we're blathering till no adverts till 11.30, how about this? Would Josh Taylor um, have beaten Ricky Hatton? Um, at light welterweight uh, or super lightweight. Here, that's a question for everyone out there. I'm going to tweet Ooh. it as well. Oh, mate, what yeah. are you who, doing to us? Who who wins Ricky Hatton versus Josh Taylor? Wow. Who do you reckon? I don't know. I'm, listen, I'm a Manchester boy. I can't be. I can't be going against Ricky, can I? But I absolutely love Josh. It's a fight I want to see. Can we still make it happen? Can Ricky get down to weight now? Can we get? Can we get? Can we get? Can we get <laughs> it? It's on? a bit late now. The ghost of Ricky. Oh Hatton. mate, what the, a the, fight! Uh, yeah, what yeah. A and fight and that if is. you're listening, Ricky, how would you have gone about beating this guy, Josh Taylor? Because he would have done what he had to do against energy. Yeah, push him into energy, the ropes yeah. and not allow him any respite and make him fight his fight. Mm. Baranchik only managed it a few times tonight because Josh Taylor has great command of footwork and so on. I think Taylor would have beaten Hatton on points and I think that would have been the danger. Oh, you know? you're really going in. Yeah, you I are know, dropping major bombs tonight. Yeah, Look at you. You want them phone lines lighting up, don't you? Yeah. That's where we're at. Oh uh, eight seven one seven double two double three double four. You're more than welcome to come and join us uh, on this boxing chat tonight. Uh, the best card, no question, uh, on British soil so far this year. The World Boxing Super Series up in Glasgow. Absolutely outrageous night. Mo- the monster uh, Inoue Inoue uh, was uh, sensational, knocking out Manny Rodriguez in the second round. He uh, is now unified division and moves on to the final. Please pray for Nanita Donaire. Yes, he's a multi-weight world champion, but he's passed his best and he's taken an absolute monster in the final there in the bantamweight division. And the World Boxing Super Series Super Lightweight final will be Regis Pogres against Josh Taylor, the new IBF super lightweight champion who put in a flawless performance uh, against Ivan Baranchik. Uh, now, there's a little bit of fighting going on at Stevenage uh, this evening. Open air at the stadium, at the football stadium. Uh, currently in the ring is Billy Joson as he's top of the bill. They are through, well, they're into the ninth round. I've fully anticipated this fight not to get that far, but I must remind myself, this is a Billy Joson fight. He does like to box rather than blow people away. Uh, this is for the WBO Super Middleweight Championship of the World. Earlier on, we were checking out Joe Joyce against Ustinov. And at times, mate, it looked like two blokes had just been thrown out of Weatherspoons. It, was, it wasn't the prettiest of heavyweight contests, was it? No, it was a bit like James Joyce against Peter Ustinov at times. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> a writer against a, a, a fat old actor. But no, it was... Um, look, I think Joe Joyce... 
uh, was going in there just to do a job on him. He did knock him out in the end with a brutal left hook. Yeah. Um, but it was um, it, it, it was less than impressive, I thought. Um, I want to see Joe... I mean, he's a huge man, Eustonov. What was he, six, seven, six, eight? Um, and another decent name on Joe's record. I mean, Joe wants to challenge for a world title within two or three fights. And I think he will. I think he's in the frame. He's... He's got all the credentials. Well, if you're a world amateur. champion watching that, you'd fancy it, wouldn't you? Because with all due respect to him, he looked a little bit... I mean, there was reports coming out they had a chest infection this week, so he looked a little bit slow, a little bit lumbersome. Um, and therefore, if you're a world champion and you're looking for a knock because they seem to not want to fight each other, all these world champions, um, then you'd look at Joe Joyce and he'd be a feasible opponent, wouldn't he? He would, but, but, but I think the thing is about Joe... Um, I, th I think that they're rushing him a, a little bit for me. Yeah, but he's 31, 32 years yeah, of age. He's yeah. got a great amateur pedigree. He's not like the he's not like a Dubois or a, a Gorman in the early twenties, is he? You know what I mean? I know he's only had a few, a handful of professional fights, but they've got to speed him along a bit because he isn't a spring chicken. Well, who wins out of uh, Dillian White and Joe Joyce at this moment? Dillian White. I agree with you. Um, who wins out of uh, Joe Joyce and Daniel Dubois? I think Daniel Dubois. I agree team. with you. Who wins out of... Here we go. And this fight is happening. Who wins out of Daniel Dubois and Nathan Gorman? I think Daniel Dubois takes care of him quite I think that's a really, it's really a great fight. good fight. It's I cannot... A, it's a bit, do you know July the 13th. It's that, a more interesting it? fight. The Dubois-Gorman the, the fight is a more intriguing, interesting fight than Dubois-Joyce for me. Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. Because yeah. of the fast hands that, that that Gorman has, I think he could actually cause an awful lot of questions early doors for Dubois, but I think Dubois will get older. Yeah, and, and the fact that he's uh, the great nephew of um, of Bartley Gorman, the king of the gypsies, yeah. and, you know, the famed... Uh, I said I use gypsy in in in, in a venerable term there, you know, the king Travelers. of the gypsy, the you know, king of the travellers, and and you know Nathan from a very famous uh, you know boxing heritage, traveller boxing heritage, like Tyson Fury, and of course Billy Joe Saunders, who I've got kind of I think they're nine or ten rounds into that fight now in in Hertfordshire in the outdoor stadium, and I think he's uh, probably won nine out of the ten rounds we've seen. Um, come on, Billy, get a finish. Um, I think I, it, I think he needs to, mate. I think uh, Billy Joe Saunders needs to make a bit of a statement. He needs a finish here because this super middleweight division is wide open if Billy Joe Saunders can make a statement here become the champion get on the microphone and start rocking it out and start mentioning the names of Canelo Callum Smith all these guys then the division becomes exciting again because with all due respect to it at this moment it's not that exciting the super middleweight division yeah I, I agree I agree I mean look the, the thing is this the, the, the um Okay, Chris Walker is on. I think Taylor is better than Hatton in every department, and I'm a Hatton fan. There you go. I hope I haven't there you go. started a, a, a Listen, a Chris knows of... his stuff, mate. Chris yeah. knows his stuff. If Chris has said that, then I'm going to go with Chris. Yeah. But yeah. It, I, I'm with him. I, it hurts. Because Hatton, I, Hatton, that's, how yeah. I, that's why I'm a boxing fan, following Ricky Hatton all over the, over the globe, watching him do his thing. Yeah, um, David Galway's come on now. Why, 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 why have you put that out there now? Why have you, why have you said well, Hatton versus Taylor? Why are you playing with that? I'm supposed no to be celebrating Taylor's victory and now no you're doing this. Because there's no adverts tonight. Mm. Taylor too slick, says Stuart. Doig, um, pro, I'm, I reckon Stuart's up in Scotland. Yeah, maybe. Um, Taylor too slick for Hatton. <sighs> this is bad. We can't be, we can't be dissing R Ricky on my show, mate. This is bad. We can't be doing it. We're not, I'm not dissing him. I'm just, I'm putting, listen... Different generations. Okay. Ricky would have been a different fighter today. Mm -hmm. um, it's easy to remember the the finality. You love of his doing career. stuff like this. I can see the no, twinkle in your eye. <laughs> no, I, here's another one. Then, okay, go on. And, and I think it would be a very, very interesting fight for Britain. Uh, Billy Joe Saunders against Callum Smith. I think Callum Smith's too big for him. I really do. I think Billy Joe Saunders is a better boxer, but I just think Callum Smith's too big. 
Mm. Do you think? Could, do you think he'd get to Billy Joe Saunders during the fight? Though that's the thing. I'm, I'm because you know, I, I think what um, Hatton outworks him. People underestimate the hitman, says Goldarino. Mm. <laughs> it's um, a great, listen, do you know something? It's a fight that I want to see because, with all due respect, Billy Joe Saunders when he beat Andy Lee. I was on the bandwagon. I was saying, this is the guy. This is the guy that's going to challenge the Triple Gs and the Canellos of this world. He's the guy that's going, to, that's going to rule the roost. And he's just had a bit of a disastrous time. Up until the David Lemieux situation, when he went over to Canada and put an absolute clinic that night, he hasn't really had a significant fight in two years, bar that one. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a step up in weight, and he's fighting a guy that the majority of people in that crowd tonight have no idea who that guy is that he's fighting. He will, I am, uh, anticipate him to become the WBO super middleweight champion. He's now got to get in with the likes of Callum Smith, like Canelo. He's got to get in with those guys and he's got to prove what he's all about. There's no doubt for me about his back boxing prowess. I just think he's got to go out there and all this nonsense that happens outside of the ring, he's got to stop and he's just got to crack on with his boxing because look at him, he's a, he's a supremely talented guy. Well, it was, a, you know, the trouble is with, with Billy, I mean, uh, he, he goes... Three steps forward and two steps back. Yeah. I mean, last year was an anus horribilis for him, wasn't it? To use a Latin phrase, um, you know. And I must say, your French is improving with your David Lemieux pronunciation. Thank you. Yeah, very good. Um, <laughs> the, the, the thing is, this look. Last year he was up in Sheffield. I mean, the tomfoolery. You know, we're watching him box at the moment on a big monitor here, and, and you know he looks terrific. I mean, Chifat Sufi just cannot get near him, and he'll win. 120, 108 here, or 119, 107. Might have dropped one round, maybe. Yeah, he might have dropped a round. There was a round where he did get hit by some by heavy once. shots. <laughs> yeah, exactly, by one, by one shot. But, you know, he was fined £100,000 by the Boxing Board of Control. He takes a banned substance that's banned in the USA, but not banned here in the UK, a, a nasal decongestion that has mm. some kind of ephedrine in it that is probably mistaken. And, and, and so... He ends up having to relinquish his WBO middleweight title. Um, we've seen him get horribly out of shape. He fought at 177 pounds. Cruiserweight. Was he fought a cruiserweight. Cruiserweight was. Sorry, it was a cruiserweight last year. Um, you know, the, 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 there's, there's the, the, the best thing that happened for him is he's got back into... I mean, I think he was good under Dominic Ingle. Because I, I remember visiting him up there, you know, for the Telegraph and Talk Sport at one point a few months ago. And he was brilliant. He was in brilliant form. But the problem is, Adam, when Billy Joe Saunders doesn't have a great opponent coming up he doesn't get nervous he doesn't get active enough i'm surprised to see him such in see him in such brilliant shape for this fight Do you know what this but is but i think it's been around tyson you know around ben ben davis you've nailed trainer. it right because they're both very similar characters they're happy they're happy together they're very similar characters mm. when they're separate they don't get themselves up for these journeymen these mm. bums these mm. dossers as uh, tyson would refer to them as but because they are together they like each other they've got great they're good pals they egg each other on. And like you said, Billy Joe looks in incredible shape. But we saw Tyson at the start of this fight, didn't we? And I said to you, I said, blimey, heck, he looks good. Looks even better than when we saw him out in uh, LA when he was in yeah. fighting shape. He looks in really good nick, mentally and physically. I think they're inspiring each other and egging each other on. And I just hope that this continues because those two lads are supremely talented boxers. And we want them, we want them in with the very best. We don't want them fighting the Sufis and the Schwartzes of this world. We want them fighting the Wilders and the Canellas of this world. That's what we want, though. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, we, this starts a debate. It's swinging back in favour of Ricky Hatton and Josh Taylor, by the way, on oh, Twitter. Yeah. Andrew yeah. Maguire says, Josh would have no ribs left by the 6th and stop not long after. Here you go, got a grin on your face yes, now. Yes, I'm all right with that. Well done, mate. Yeah. Um, the, the, the thing is this. We're in a period in uh, in boxing at the moment where 
Um, we are seeing some amazing contests. We are, look, we've seen two terrific fights in Glasgow tonight. Uh, Noye Nui showcasing how brilliant he is in three weight divisions, that he has freakish power, this Japanese fighter who's knocked out 90% of his opponents, who shouldn't be doing that. Uh, at 118 pounds that they're not meant to be power athletes but he's extraordinary we've seen josh taylor emerge as a world champion tonight in a very tough challenge um you know and show his inexperience but i don't know if i'd call it flawless i think there were flaws in the performance but maybe i'm being very harsh adam but we see these kind of contests we saw um, Saul Canelo Alvarez in a great fight with, with, with Daniel Jacobs last week. I thought Jacobs lacked ambition. I haven't had a chance to talk to you about it. I thought Jacobs lacked ambition in that fight and complained afterwards. And, I, and, I, and Canelo, for me, really does, you know, clembuterol testing aside, it really does inhabit the top three in the world on his resume, you know. And we can debate the... the, the the illegality of substances for a long time you know we could spend all night talking about it but there are great fights going on but for me the pinnacle of boxing is the heavyweight division at the moment yeah. what we're not seeing is the fights we need to see and it allows fissures to open up and people to debate the fact ah oh, look at boxing it's all about greed really and it's all about kind of promoters and, and agents and managers and television companies kind of stretching um, the careers of fighters to, to do the big showdown in the end. Deontay Wilder fighting, of course, later tonight, defending his World Boxing Council title against Dominic Brazil, who we've already seen beaten by Anthony Joshua over seven rounds, now demanding 100 million US dollars. <laughs> yeah. Well, he wants to put a body in a bag, mm. as he says. He wants to kill an opponent. Thank you very much. No, we don't want to hear that in boxing. And I hope the WBC take, the sanctioning body, take very stern uh, test of him on that, as well as the commission, by the way, um, in, in New York. And they should take stern... Uh, they should take stern command over what he said and fine him hugely for it so he never says it again. But also... You know, he's not fighting. He's asking for $100 million to fight Anthony Joshua, $100 million. When we know that it's just, he's just putting it out there um, and, and saying, no, it'll take that much money for me to fight because they can demand that kind of money. DeZone are desperate to have giant fights. They've had good numbers for Canelo and Jacobs. Mm -hmm. You know, um, over a million, didn't they? Uh, 1.2 million uh, people watching that fight. They want to do it with the heavyweights now because they've got this desire to create a new platform for boxing in a new way by subscription. And But at the moment, the heavyweight division does not resonate with sports fans. Yes, fight fans are waiting for the big fights, but at the moment, general sports fans are shutting the door on boxing. It's a shame because at the back end of last year, we were in a wonderful position, weren't we, with the uh, Wilder Fury fight and what that did uh, for uh, for general sports fans coming to our sport. You are listening to Fight Night uh, with me, Adam Catterall, Gareth A. Davis, with the, the World Boxing Super Series in Glasgow. Uh, a little earlier on, Noye Inoue was absolutely sensational, knocking out Manny Rodriguez within two rounds uh, to unify his division and move on to the final in the bantamweight uh, category. And we also had in the super lightweights a new champion crown. The IBF uh, champion now is a Josh Taylor from Scotland put it on an absolute masterclass at times, don't get me wrong, there were chinks in the armour, but at times an absolute masterclass in front of his home fans uh, against Ivan Baranchik to claim that crown. And when you give a post-fight 
uh, interview, you sing the songs, don't you? Um, everyone that travelled from all over the country and abroad, thanks for coming. And uh, I just want to finish on this. And send them home to think again. Yeah! You see, we were talking a little earlier on about the comparison between him and Ricky Hatton. And I know that you have, uh, you're causing all and sundry on social media at this moment in time, Gareth, because you've put it out there. Who would win in a fight? Ricky Hatton in his peak. Uh, and Josh Taylor where he's at right at this moment in time and you're getting loads of different answers um, the reason for the comparison by the way is because I find them very similar characters they uh, they do like a little bit of a pint with the fans and I'm sure Josh will be out tonight with the boys enjoying itself and celebrating his glory of becoming the world champion and rightfully so Ricky as we all know uh, used to love a little bit of that and I think at some point in his career Josh will take a few fans over to Vegas or New York or something like that uh, a full Titan army going over singing uh, the praises of uh, Josh Taylor. But on social media, we've got a little bit of a split, yeah, haven't we? And you're no, loving it. You're loving going no, back and forth with everybody on there. No. Causing causing yeah. absolute havoc yeah. on the airwaves, aren't you, mate? Yeah. No, no, Taylor's probably about 40% away from his best. Yeah, and Ricky Hatton at his best and him would have been a great fight. I've been winding people up and uh, there, 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 there would... Ashley Hall... Don't pee me off, says Nick Davis. Um, I'm not intending to, Nick, but thanks for your comment. Ashley Hall mm. says Hatton would knock him out. Show some respect, Gareth. Taylor's only just started the pros. Yes, Gareth. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hitman's work rate, says Scott Davis, and the Manchester crowd retires him on a stool before the 12th. Um, Stephen Paul says, one, the fans, two, Hitman. Um, Brad Furness, great commentary, lads, but talking nonsense about Hitman. <laughs> uh, Taylor's not fit to carry his bags. There we go. Thank you, fans. I'm a huge fan of Ricky. Listen, as well. I see. Listen, Ricky was the man, absolutely the man. But I do see a lot of similar similarities with him and Josh. I genuinely believe that there's a crowd with Josh now, and when he does go abroad eventually, I think he will travel extremely well. He's got a very similar attitude. He comes across as a man of the people, and I suppose that's why Ricky Hatton was so popular because it was like watch. You kind of live your life vicariously through Ricky, don't you? Because you are in the pub on a Friday and a Saturday night, as Ricky was, but he was going and becoming a professional athlete for uh, three months of the year in order to uh, get himself down to fighting weight and taking on some of the very best in the world. And you went along on that journey with him. Yeah, you did. And, you know, I mean, R Ricky, you st when you go to Vegas, they they still tell you about the, the, the fans coming. They recall the, the nights of the fans uh, being there and singing and the, the great fights with uh, Floyd Mayweather and uh, Manny Pacquiao. Of course, the two fighters he fought were the two leading pound-for-pound pound fighters in the world at the time. Mm. Part of Ricky's great appeal was that he lay it all on the line whenever he fought. He was a body puncher. He was the hitman. He was the everyman as well. He never lost the common touch. And I think that's what's brilliant about him, mm. that... that you would find yourself in nine fine Irishmen having a few Guinnesses with Ricky after the fights yep. and several thousand other people spilling into New York, New York, uh, the casino just across the road from the MGM Grand. Um, you know, the, the thing about the journey with Ricky was that there was an openness and an honesty about him and we've even seen that after his career and, you know... He always says now he won't let fighters live the way he lived, which was he would balloon in weight between yeah. fights and get to a point where he couldn't balloon anymore. I remember his mum, Carol, telling me once. It took toll on the back end of his career. There's no question about that. It did, it did, you know. But but that was part of that was part of Ricky playing darts, having a point, That's the charm. wasn't it? That's the charm. Absolute charm. And I think Josh has still got a long way to go 
to 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 beat that to get there. I don't I mean, think anybody will ever beat it, but it, there's, yeah. there's, there's there's elements of hit of Ricky Hatton in Josh. Well, Taylor, he's got to do it in, in 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 he's got to do it in Scotland. He needs a Scottish following to yeah. it. Ricky's was very much a kind of Lancastrian. That's person. it. Loads of people loved Ricky, but the core following was the light blues, wasn't it? You know, of Man City, and he you know he used to have his bovril, and he he you know he had his he had his box at Man City for a while. He was a dyed well, he is a dyed in the wool. Fan, I remember interviewing him for the Telegraph once. Um, what, what was that day when Man City was it de- a delayed game and they won the they won the league with a three nil win over Coventry or someone on the last day of the season? You're talking about the famous Aguero goal. The is Aguero that goal. Is that, that what you're one, doing yeah. when the big Queens Park Rangers? Listen, you're not. I'm not a soccer guy. You okay, know that, football. So. Don't say soccer on this show, sunshine. I'm allowed to say soccer if I want. <laughs> Association football. Listen, I can see out the corner of my eye that Billy Joe Saunders has just become the super middleweight champion. Uh, we are going to uh, have a little bit of a chat about that in a moment or two. I don't have the information regarding the wideness of the cards, but we'll have a little bit of a nosy in. But first of all, let's have a listen to Josh Taylor because he was sensational tonight. He is the new IBF uh, super lightweight champion. And he says the win was easy. Do you know what? I took more risks than I should have. Um, I, was, I was pretty comfortable in there, switched off a couple of times and uh, took more punches than I should have. I, c- I could have made that a lot easier for myself. And I never, I just felt really comfortable in there. So... Yeah, it's good. Easy. Easy peasy. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy for uh, Josh Taylor. Fantastic. One, one, seven, one or nine on one of the cards. That's the exact card that I had. Uh, and one, one, five, one, one, one on two of the other cards. A great performance from him. And he moves in uh, to the final uh, of the World Boxing Super Series to take on Regis Progress. Um, Billy Joe Saunders. It's a very tough fight. That's a harder oh, fight. Yeah, than listen, of course it is. Way. It's a proper fight. It's a really good and fight. And he's got to tighten up the screws, you know. If he's going to sing to think again, he's you know Flower of Scotland. He's he's got to tighten up the screws. Mm. He's most likely to. I don't know where you feel that the tournament's going to finalise, but you know you've got. Um, it could be in Japan. You never know. You I mean, never know. You, you've got Inui fighting um, uh, Nonito Donaire, the the Filipino flash, the four weight world champion, and you've got um, you know. Josh Taylor against Regis Progress. So it, it, it could go anywhere. It could go to Japan if they, it could go to the Saitama Super Arena if they wanted to. Mm. Um, but I mean, I, it, for me, it might well fall in America, but I would love it to be in the UK. Mm. Uh, now, of course, we can't actually uh, uh, hear what Billy Joe Saunders is saying at this moment in time in his post uh, fight interview. He's just completed uh, his contest at uh, the Stevenage Football Ground. He is now the super middleweight WBO world champion. Listen, it's great to see him put on a little bit of a clinic. It's great to see him with a little bit of gold around his waist. Now I want to see him in proper contest because that's what we've just been speaking about, haven't we? For the majority of this show, we've been wrapped up in politics. We're seeing it in the heavyweight division where certain fights are not happening. We're thrilled with the World Boxing Super Series where we're getting to see the best against the best. We want to see Billy Joe Saunders in with the very, very best either at middleweight or at super middleweight. I am not bothered. But now is the time for him to be getting in with the Canellos of this world, with the Callum Smiths of this world, the real superstars. That's who we want to see Billy Joe Saunders in there because his talent warrants it. I don't want to see him coasting now against journeyman well i i there's there's probably four fights i'd love to see billy joe saunas in one of them you probably won't agree with i'd love to see him fight callum smith at super middleweight mm-hmm. i know that people say oh no he's moving up to light heavy he's too big but i'd love to see that fight i'd like to see him at middleweight fight kennedy golovkin yeah and, and fight saul canelo alvarez these are my these are my yes please you know dream fights but also i'd like to see him have a rematch with chris eubank jr okay at what weight 
because he could, he's, a, he's technically a middleweight as well. Well, I mean, as Eubank well, Jr. Listen, if they're going to fight again, they'll fight at super middleweight because they won't want to make the weight cut either of them. They'll fight at super middle. But it's a fight I wouldn't mind seeing because I think that it, fight makes an awful lot of sense. I agree. Whether at right at this moment in time, it makes an awful lot of sense, and I am not against that. If that's the mm. next fight for Billy Joe Saunders, I'm in. Deal mm. me right in, because it's a banger. Billy Joe, um, uh, Eubank Jr., I think, has won a lot of hearts and minds of people after the win of uh, James DeGale. Yeah, all right, it wasn't the James DeGale that won Olympic gold medals and became world champion. It's a very different James DeGale, but he still had to beat him, and he beat him, and he beat him well. And I think there's a lovely narrative there, as you've just said, because the first fight between Billy Joe and Chris was actually quite tight. It wasn't the blow away that we'd all expect. Billy Joe Saunders didn't put on a clinic for 12 rounds in that particular fight. It was a lot closer. No, but he was ahead, and that's what... when That type of boxer that Billy Joe Saunders is, when they're ahead, they do allow themselves to, to nick rounds, to coast. That's what they do. That's his style. Um, and, and, and Eubank did have to chase the fight in the late rounds. It's what he does anyway. I just think... People don't agree with this. A lot of people are really divided on Eubank. Um, but he, he he's won me over for a long time. I love his tenacity. I've said this before on the show. He's got Ed. all the things that you can't teach, Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah, and, you, but, and, and, you're born with them. Yes, you're born and with I think them. If, the, if he could learn the things, the footwork, the jab, all these types of things, if he could get that, if he could get the finesse, he'd be a hell of a fighter. Yeah, well, I think he already is. Um, if, he already is a hell of a fighter. But what what he needs to do... He's is, become a hell of a boxer? Uh, yeah, no, he just needs to continue to improve, um, continue to keep working at his boxing skills. He's never going to be a Billy Joe Saunders in boxing skills. Mm. But I do think he's he's got a name, he's got tenacity. People love him or hate him. You mentioned about creating a following. He's got a following that really like him and he's got a following that really hate him. And for that reason, he'll always be a bit of a star. It's a good fight to make that. I'm in there. I'm in for that. Uh, we are going to talk a little bit about Deontay Wilder in a moment or two because Deontay is fighting in the early hours of the morning. He's defending his WBC world title against Dominic Brazil, a man that Anthony Joshua took care of within seven rounds. I'll go as far as to say that he has to do it a little bit quicker tonight, does Deontay. He's got to make a statement. He's got to throw it out there and remind everybody who the WBC champion is for positive reasons rather than the negative rhetoric that we've been hearing coming out of his mouth uh, throughout the course of the week. We'll talk about that next here on TalkSport. This is Fight Night. Great night. Great night in Glasgow. Josh Taylor becoming the IBF uh, super lightweight champion. Fantastic performance against Ivan Branchik. I personally thought he was unbelievably dominant. There's a couple of chinks in the armour, but he was sensational. As was Noye Inoue, who took his man out, Manny Rodriguez, within two rounds. Now, in the early hours of the morning, there's a certain heavyweight contest uh, for us to uh, maybe stay up for and have a little bit of a nauseam on. Uh, because hopefully at some point we are going to see Deontay Wilder back in the ring with either Tyson Fury or maybe at some point Anthony Joshua. And Dillian White. And, well, whoever. I just want him to... I want to see him in with someone amazing. But what we're seeing tonight is that he's fighting Dominic Brazil, a man that Anthony Joshua has already taken care of within seven rounds. And with that knowledge that we've already got, Deontay Wilder's got to put a real performance in tonight, hasn't he? He can't let the, he can't cost this. He's got to go out there. He's got to put a great performance in. He's got to take his man out of there. Then he's got to get on the mic and say something with real substance to us. Well, I think we've... Well, I mean, we've been on the mic. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's steady him down. Let's, let's gag him, not put him on the mic. We, we've heard enough from him all week. You know, bodies in bags, wants a body on his record, wants to kill someone. Good My goodness, what is wrong with the man? Um, well, I've had him in my face as well. I think when we were last in Los Angeles, he was in my face. That was 
um, Panto for me when he was doing a lot of that with Tyson Fury. Um, I think a lot of it is Panto with Deontay. He lets his mouth run. He is selling a contest. He is selling a fight. Three years ago, one thing I would say about the Anthony, it was Anthony Joshua had won the IBF title from Charles Martin. It was his first defence against Dominic Brazil. It's 2016. We're at the O2 Arena. I thought Brazil managed to absorb quite a lot of shots from Joshua that night. It was very easy to hit. I think he's come on a lot. I think there's a lot of emotion in this fight because they had an altercation in a hotel uh, lobby, um, Deontay Wilder and Dominic Brazil in Alabama uh, a couple of years back. Um, that There's bad blood for that reason. I think, I think they will go toe-to-toe in this fight. Um, Brazil's got a very heavy right hand, but he just doesn't have the hand speed that that Wilder has. Mm. Wilder sparks from he just he's like lightning, you know. Um, and I think that's the danger for Brazil tonight. I think he's got to get hold of Wilder early if he's going to do it because I think he'll get he'll get smashed down. Wilder is I think twelve or fourteen pounds heavier than he was when he fought uh, Tyson Fury back in December. Adam, mm. um, I don't. I mean, I've spent time with Dominic Brazil in the build-up to this fight, and he talked a great game. He was in the same camp as Virgil Hunter and Amir Khan, head of Amir Khan, losing to Terence Crawford a few weeks ago when we were out in New York together. Um, but I, I, I just feel like he's he's a product of a great system where a businessman invested in trying to find guys. This guy was a quarterback in American football, remember? Um, a college quarterback who was really doing well was going to play American football and was on a program in which uh, uh, a businessman by the name of King, who's, who's a billionaire who's, who's deceased now, tried to put this program together to find great black or, or big white American heavyweights again because they, they didn't have them. Brazil's the only one that, that emerged from that group to go to the Olympics, to emerge as a world title challenger. Um and, and there is something about the man. I mean, he is enormous. He, he's as big as Anthony Joshua, if not bigger than Anthony Joshua. Um, and if he can put his combinations together, he's got a chance. But I just think there's something about Wilder. I think there's some destiny in the guy. I think he's got a great self-belief. He's got a spirit inside himself that's... It's a nasty... There's a na- That bronze bomber is a nasty spirit mm. that, that inhabits his soul when he fights. Um, and and, and I, I see... I see Brazil being knocked out tonight, mm. you know. Um, but uh, but yes, to answer your original question, yeah, we do want a statement. The statement is sign a contract. Joshua sign a contract. Fury sign a contract. Wilder sign a contract to fight each other, you mm. know. It, it, Brazil, by the way, has waited a long time for this. He's been mandatory for a long time and he really does deserve this fight tonight. About 2 a.m., isn't it, tonight on Sky mm. later on? Mm. Uh, well, let's hear from Deontay Wilder because he has been talking this week and as Gareth said, the, some of the rhetoric that has come out of his mouth hasn't been the prettiest. This is a brutal sport. This is not a gentleman's sport. I keep saying this is not a gentleman's sport. We don't ask to hit each other in the face, but we does anyway. As any doctor around the world, he'll tell you the head is not meant to be hit. Anybody can go. And on this particular time, we have bad blood against each other. This is the only sport where you can kill a man and get paid for it at the same time. It's legal. So why not use my right to do so? Nobody wants to hear the heavyweight champion of the world speaking like that. Now, we're led to believe that the WBC are going to address uh, what Deontay Wilder said in some type of hearing uh, because it goes against their code of ethics. Do you really anticipate that the WBC are going to act on the words of Deontay Wilder? Oh, no, I th- they need to do something. I mean, they've come out and uh, they've said what we all needed to hear, which is, you know, we've taken... 
the comments about wanting to kill an opponent and wanting a body on his record that you can legally kill someone in boxing, boxing so he wants to take advantage of it. That's where his words were, if you recall, earlier mm-hmm. in the week. Um, you can't be saying that. I mean, it's like a golfer saying, I want to hit someone with a golf ball with it to the back of the head. Chris is that, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because... In boxing, yes, you are. You do have intent to to knock out your opponent, but but inside the soul of a, many of the men and women we're around, their desire is not to kill another person. They they grow up doing it because they come from tough environments. They grow up doing it to survive. They grow up. They they learn that it that, that it can. It's a it's a martial art that can be created into a skill that can give you a living, that can transform your life, that can transform the lives of many around you, and that it's, it, it, it can be used for good, even though it's a very harmful thing to do, an inherently dangerous thing. So, look, he's crossing a line. He, he knows he's doing it. He's crossing a very dangerous line um, because he's, he's bringing the moral compass of the sport into focus and and we have to take what he's saying seriously and I think it has to be punished seriously. I think there should be a 20% fine on him, you know, mm. on his purse, in but my view. A lot of fight fans out there talking about stripping of belts and various things like well, that. Well, I think it's a bit... You can't just strip the belt, but you, I think... I think you know, Mauricio Suleiman has done a lot of really good things, as his father Jose Suleiman did, for the safety and health of fighters. And that is put in a position of jeopardy by these comments. Of course, there are risks for, for, for fighters when they when they box. We know that there are, on average, six deaths a year in boxing um, globally. So, you know, it's just distasteful. It's just it's disgusting, really. There's no need for it. Um, but it, but it will guarantee more eyes on the fight tonight. Um, I, I want to throw a question at you as well. Um, and we will be chasing up Mauricio Suleiman on this. You know, people saying that, uh, you know, that we're very soft with 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 the presidents, as they're called, of the sanctioning bodies. But they do need taking to task over it. But as I said, also the New York Commission, because he's. He's been set. He said it under their jurisdiction, and mm. in my view, they should be coming out and doing things about this as well. Um, but I want to throw this one, Andrew. We, we had some activity on Twitter tonight. Andrew Maguire has thrown this at me. Wilder versus White, who wins? What do you reckon, Dillian White? That is, of course. What do you reckon, Ed? Jeez, <sighs> it's a gunshot. It's a gunshot, and whoever lands first goes over. That's as sitting on the fence as I'm going to give you. Because I think their styles are actually quite similar. I know that Dion, uh, Dillian has definitely developed his style over the last 18 months or so. He's, mo- he's most certainly come on. He's not as raw as he was. He has got amazing punching power, in, in particular with his left up. Wilder is so raw. Even now, you know, you see some of the shots, they're coming from angles that no other boxer on the planet throws them from those type of angles. But he's got ferocious power. In either hand, as we saw with Tyson Fury, he puts Tyson Fury down with your left. He's normally knocking dudes out with your right, isn't he? Um... Whoever lands first wins the fight. Exactly. I was saying, imagine being ringside doing the show for that fight, doing the commentary, and how we'd be grabbing each other by the wrist and eating the jelly babies. It's not, we was, it's it's not so, going the distance, is no, it? No. Well, it's no. I don't I can't think see so. It. But you know, Dillian White's been in so many exciting fights now that. Um, that could be one of the most exciting fights in the world. I mean, there's talk about, you know, and, and I knew you've jumped on it as well, and TalkSport jumped on it earlier in the week, and Tyson Fury against Dillian White is a possible fight. I, I said it on our show before. 
earlier, maybe a couple of months ago, that that may be the big fight of the year mm. um, in Britain this year. Um, and you know what's going to happen. Dillian's going to go hunting. Tyson's going to jab and move. And it's going to be interesting and counter. But Dillian White against Deontay Wilder... As a headliner with a really good card, it's a really, really exciting heavyweight fight. There is no question about it because they are both going to deliver, you know? It's very interesting. The problem is, is that we sit here on this show week in, week out, fantasising over certain fights that are going to be made, mainly off the back of it, of maybe a little bit of intuition and a little bit of inside knowledge and what certain fighters are saying. But as the months tick on, as the weeks tick on, we're not getting these knocks. We're not getting them at all. Like, for example, later on tonight, we're getting Wilder versus Brazil. Then we're going to get AJ versus uh, Ruiz, who you've been spending a little bit of time with. We're going to talk about him in a moment or two. And then we've got, obviously, Tyson Fury fighting Tom Schwartz, which is disappointing given that this December last year, me and you were ringside in LA watching one of the best heavyweight contests I think there's been for a long, long time. Well, well, the, the, it's an interesting... Between two of the very best. Yeah, well, it's, it's, yeah, it, was, it was amazing to be there. It, it was... Look, twice Tyson Fury has done things in the heavyweight division that no one else has done for, for many, many years. In Dusseldorf in November 2015, he went to... Vladimir Klitschko's backyard, if you like, because he's kind of an adopted German citizen, and he and he 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 pilfered the belt. He embarrassed him. him. He he took his jab away. Klitschko even admits in the post-fight press conference he didn't know how to throw the right lead. Go and look at the rumble in the jungle, Vladimir. Is what I say. I hope I don't get a slap from him for this, but you know, go look at the rumble in the jungle and what Hamid Ali did with a lead right. Come on, come on. There's more to fighting than that. He got schooled, as you say. That's what I'm kind of impressing on us here. He got schooled by Tyson Fury, and the belts got scattered to the wind. Then, when Tyson went AWOL, you know, with his depression and his and his and his, you know, his binging on mm. drugs and drink and sugar, basically, you know, and got depressed, ballooned to 100, and, you know, 400 pounds. Um, but what it did was it scattered the belts for everyone else to emerge as a group of hungry young lions. He did it again last December by coming back, shedding, as I've said a few times now, the weight of Melania Trump, yeah? Got back in the ring with Deontay Wilder and made the most amazing spectacle and and emerged from a knockdown like The Undertaker in WWE to delight the world over. Everyone I speak to, and we're going to mention Andy Ruiz mm-hmm. in a moment, everyone I speak to in America thinks Tyson Fury is a darling, really. He is a media darling. They want him on their shows. He's going to be on Jimmy Kimmel in the lead-up to yeah. uh, to this fight. With and Tom the James Schwartz, Corden Late Late Show, I think. James I think Corden the Late... He's got, I mean, I want to see Corden, Corden and the Gypsy King in car singing. Yeah. Be, come on. Come on. I mean, I, I, want, I want an extended version of that. I want a 30-minute. Forget Madonna and Pink and all these guys, Lady Gaga. Let's have Tyson Fury, James Corden. What I'd give to be in the back seat for that one. Be Do you reckon we can we make it happen? Let's try and make it happen. Uh, but the thing is this, right? Twice he's done that, mm. scattered the belts to the wind, and what it's done is opened the division. None of the others have done that. That's why Tyson Fury deserves more credit in the heavyweight division than anyone else at the moment. And Dillian White is very willing, I've got to say that, but he should have taken the fight with Anthony Joshua mm. in, in, in Wembley, uh, Wembley Stadium. But 
my feeling is that there's a lot more that will come out about that story in the end. Mm. Uh, well, the man that is going to be fighting, Anthony Joshua, is Andy Ruiz. Uh, Gareth's been spending a little bit of time with him. We're going to hear about that next here on TalkSport. This is Fight Night. Fight Night, the World Boxing Super Series Live. Oh, down. With Adam Catterall on TalkSport, the home of boxing. Uh, we're, near, we're in the home stretch. Extra Time is going to be following us very, very shortly. If you've only just joined us, you've missed some fantastic uh, commentary earlier on from Don McGuinness and Spencer Oliver, as they're called, the Josh Taylor fight, uh, where he becomes the IBF super lightweight champion, beating Ivan Brancic on points. Earlier on, Noya Inoue knocked out Manny Rodriguez uh, in the second round. Sensational knockout. He progresses as well to the final in the bantamweight leg of the World Boxing Super Series. Now, Gareth is fresh back off a plane from the United States of America. He's been spending a little bit of time uh, with Andy Ruiz Jr. Andy Ruiz Jr. is the guy that Anthony Joshua will be facing at Madison Square Garden on June the 1st. Now, we know everything there is to know about Anthony Joshua. We spend a lot of time with him. Talk to me about Andy Ruiz. What can you tell me about the boy? Well, I, I had a fascinating day with him in Los Angeles at, at Legends Gym. And um, he uh, he's trained by Manny Robles. People will remember Oscar Valdez, who fought... He's not with Oscar Valdez anymore. Fought Scott Quigg in that brilliant fight in Los Angeles last year. Um, Robles is very experienced. Andy Ruiz, I mean, obviously, you know, he's been called a fat slob by by Bob Arum, who used to promote him. But I tell you, up close and personal, I spent three and a half hours in his company, in his team's company, when he went through a workout. Um, he's not the biggest heavyweight in the world, but live, he does have a real slap on him, a real punch on him, and very, very fast hands. Um, I think he's one of the... I, I think I'd compare him in size to Mike Tyson taking on like a Lennox Lewis or an Evander Holyfield. He's a smaller heavyweight. Very different physiques though. Very, yeah, very di yeah, very different physiques. But I'd, I'd also, I talked to him about food and diet and those things. And, you know, he... He's, he's, he's always been known as a chubby little fat kid, and that always got him into fights. <laughs> he, he used the expression about himself several times during yeah. the, the, the three I've hours. I've seen him on a lot of American TV eating Snickers as part of a gimmick, like it's his thing, you know, that he eats yeah. those chocolate bars. But but I think what happened was when he, when he was a chubby little kid, chubby little fat kid when he was growing up, it got him into a lot of fights. Um, I spoke to his dad, Andy Ruiz Sr., um, some amazing stuff about, you know, when he was 10 or 11, he was fighting men in the street. He, mm. he'd, he'd end up in fights with men because he'd be called a chubby little fat kid. So he's in a fight. Mm. And he'd get called a chubby little fat kid and, and the next block, he'd be in another fight. And then someone else would call him a chubby little fat kid with a black eye. So he'd be in another fight. And he's fighting men all the time. And I think, I think the one thing I'd say about all of them is they... He, he's the son in a family in which his father did very well in construction, flipping houses, yeah. Um, he, 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 put, he was pulling him... His, Andy Ruiz Sr. was pulling his son, Andy Ruiz Jr., away from police at the age of 10 or 11 because he was always in trouble fighting. Wasn't a bad kid. And there were a lot of um, what they call gangbangers in America. Mm. Gang, I mean, you know, gangs in Imperial in California, really near the border of Mexico. And there was a lot of trafficking of drugs and people um and he could easily have got into gangs there but his dad who is a lovely man um i spent about half an hour with him adam and he was explaining how he started a business flipping houses and um and had a really good construction firm and andy was kicked out of school at the age of 15 fighting in school um 
and but just not 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 that he was out looking for trouble but he if there was a fight he would have it you know so he's very experienced very relaxed about fighting itself um put a hammer and a chisel and a you know a worker's belt around his waist and said come and work for me couldn't hack it um didn't really want his son to box even though grandfather ruiz had started a boxing gym i think in mezcal in mexico um not around anymore but basically he just had this son who he really loves and really cared for and just had to go the boxing route in the end mm. because it was the only way to tame him do you know he even told me a story about story about hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right we're cutting the price of mint unlimited from 30 dollars a month to just 15 dollars a month give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch 45 dollars up front for three months plus taxes and fees promote for new customers for limited time unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows full terms at mintmobile.com there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Buying this old rapper's car for him. This I, I can't remember the, the, the name. It might have been a Dodge. Cost the father 55K, right? When, when Andrew Ruiz Jr. was 15, just to keep him on side and not get him into trouble. This is what he's been like all his career. 
I, I when I watched him live, for a big guy, he's very light on his feet. Um, he's working incredibly hard. I think there's never been an opportunity like this in his life. He's going from maybe earning a hundred grand to a few million for this contest. But I think it's not just about the money. It's it's the opportunity to create a legacy as potentially um, a three-weight world champion, but the first Mexican heavyweight champion ever in the history of boxing. Mm. And I think that's what really means a lot to them. I had an amazing, I've, I've saved a lot of stuff. We're going to hear a lot of it in our show next week. Um, but it, but there's some really, really fantastic stuff there. And I think he'll give it his all on June the 1st at Madison Square Garden. That's what we need him to do, though, don't we? We don't want somebody to just turn up and just get whacked over because at the end of the day, we don't learn anything or we don't get buzzed up about Anthony Joshua being in the United States. The whole point of this, the whole point of AJ being over there is to wow the American crowd, to see him maybe, woof, this guy's in a little bit of a fight, but to see his devastating knockout power. Yeah, he's got to get on the inside. I mean, he's not the biggest man <laughs> in the world. And as I said, you know, um, it, it's the key for him is going to be getting in close. He's got dangerous left hooks. He's got fast jab. He's going to be in and he's going to have to try and get in and under Joshua's jab early. Josh, Joshua's going to meet him early and have to start fast. Um... But I think Ruiz is going to come and deliver. I think if he goes out on his shield in the first three or four rounds, it won't bother him. But I think that is what he's going to do. Um, they all know that if they, can, if they can get to Joshua, they've got a chance. They all know that he can be vulnerable around the whiskers, but it's getting inside that fortress that he's creating. Mm. He and Rob McCracken, like Manny Stewart did with Lennox Lewis all those years ago, after Lennox had suffered defeat, after Vladimir Klitschko, I mentioned earlier, yeah. had suffered defeat, Manny Stewart built a fortress around them defensively. And that's what Rob McCracken's doing with Anthony Joshua. They're trying to build this fortress. If he can get inside and under the portcullis before it drops on him, you know, he may have a chance. What does Anthony Joshua have to do in that particular fight to uh, to gain plaudits? Because we've just been saying about Wilder in the early hours of the morning fighting Brazil. We are expecting him to take care of Brazil. When I say expecting, we're wanting him to take care of Brazil in a quicker time than AJ did in order to make a statement, to send the shockwaves around the world and say, hey, listen, I'm the main man. What does AJ have to do on June the 1st? Well, I think he has to make a statement, Adam. You know, this is his huge American debut, DAZN, the over-the-top streaming service that wants to, you know, be the Netflix of sports uh, in terms of... Uh, being a digital broadcaster, a huge digital broadcaster globally for, for the sport. You know, they have the market with Joshua in America at the moment. They want him to make a statement. They didn't want him to fight uh, at Wembley Stadium against Dillian White. They wanted a, a big-name American opponent. They've got Andy Ruiz. He has to make a statement. He needs a knockout in front of the American audience. Maybe he needs to go down early and get up again and, and knock Ruiz out in in a rock'em, sock'em robots fight. That's the kind of thing that will get the attention of the public. And then he needs to get on the mic and he needs to say to Deontay Wilder, it's time to be, do to be done with this, we need to fight. Because I don't think he'll be chasing Tyson Fury next. He'll be after... That's the fight we need to see. Anthony Joshua against Deontay Wilder in America. That's the fight to zone one. That's the fight I mentioned earlier that Deontay Wilder's asking for 100 million US dollars for. And from a fight fan's point of view, what's your gut instincts of when we're going to see it? Mine is that we won't see it this year. I think we're looking into 2020. I think your gut instinct is is probably right. Um, it's unfortunate, but if but I think if if the powers that be, the powers that matter in this really listen hard enough, we will get that fight and it won't be Anthony Joshua and Dillian White later in the year 
Um, and that, and we'll get Tyson Fury and Dillian White, and we'll get Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. But it's a big build for that fight. Um, but it, but we do need to see them soon because it, it, it's as frustrating for me as it is for you as it is for the fans right now. It needs to be made. Those fights need to be made for the good of boxing, for the good of the heavyweight division. Well, it's for hope, fingers crossed, uh, that we get to see them. Uh, maybe we can do a World Boxing Super Series heavyweight division, but maybe there's too well, much money in well, politics well, involved in that. But the funny thing is, we've watched semi-finals tonight that have been for uh, the world uh, world title. If this was the, all the heavyweights in the, in the division together now in a World Boxing Super Series, we would be heading towards a final. That's the irony in all of this. Mm. Um, the World Boxing Super Series rolled into Glasgow this evening. We brought you live an exclusive commentary of Josh Taylor becoming world champion in the super lightweight division. If you missed it, listen to this. Everybody on their feet in Glasgow. Taylor tries to end big eye-catching shots. Probably doesn't need to. He just wants to. It's a proper warrior in there. As again, he lands a big hook to try and end the show. The big right hand, a big left hook, and pushes Veranticus away again. He's run out of ideas. There's the final bell. Uh The Tartan Tornado, Josh Taylor! Thanks for coming, and uh, I just want to finish on this. And send them home! 